Faith on News Radio 930 WFMD. I'm Troy Skinner, pastor of the Household of Faith in Christ. You can find us online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. You can find the radio show at WFFD.com. Keyword Faith takes you there. We'll get easy links to the podcast and all that. Uh, you can also link to the Faith to Faith show through the Household of Faith in Christ website, for that matter, as it turns out. And if you want to follow along in social media, rather than me run through the complete menu of social media, all the social media that I and the show are involved with is connected to the Household of Faith in Christ.com website. So if you can find that, you can find everything that we're doing. So that's probably the easiest thing to do. I spent the whole show, sadly, last week uh, talking about kind of the history of the show and where we got and why we're doing what we're doing now. This is a relaunch. So if you didn't hear last week's show, you're like, what is this music he's playing? In, in the spirit of change, we're changing the music as well. And uh, in the coming weeks, you're going to hear a regular steady diet of not just me, but three really distinguished gentlemen. And if you've been listening to this show over the last 17 years consistently, these are all names and voices you have heard before. So Imran Raz Razvi, he is the uh, pastor of a house church and also the founder of uh, Conquered by Love Ministries. And uh, his son Daniel Razvi has been on this show uh, in the past. He's, he's an attorney. And he has weighed in on some issues as they relate to uh, the church and, and faith matters and the government and, and those sorts of things in the past. And um, he's obviously involved in the same house church with his dad. And then we've got David Forsey, who is the pastor of the, of the church that meets at David's house. That's right. right? So, uh, it's a nameless church. So we're, <laughs> so we're uh, as it turns out, uh, all four of us on this panel are house church people, and three of us are pastors. Uh, and I'm not sure if you have a, a pastoral role, uh, Daniel, or not. So I guess all four of us are pastors at house churches. And we'll end up talking about that. If not this week or in the next couple of weeks, we will end up talking uh, with some fervor uh, about the house church uh, idea, the house church movement, and how that compares to other uh, ways of expressing the church and that sort of thing. But I want to give everybody a chance to find out what this panel is all about. Maybe you didn't hear the last time Raz was on the show uh, or the time before that when he was on the show. And so you're like, who are these people? So I want to give a baseline, a foundational understanding of who these voices are, where they're coming from, what they're all about. And it's such a cliche Christian question. So what's your testimony? Uh, but I want to clarify, because we talked about this uh, off the air, the importance of defining our terms. So I'm going to do that right now. When I ask someone to share their testimony, I'm not specifically or necessarily asking, so tell me about your conversion. When I ask somebody to tell me their testimony, what I'm hoping they'll share is what their walk with the Lord has looked like, what their passage through life has brought their way. I want to hear their testimony on how God has worked in it kind of thing. So if any of the people on this panel have a dramatic conversion story, I'm sure we'll hear it. But more importantly to me is I want the listener to get a sense of how we've come to be who we are now, how we got here, what that path has looked like. So we're going to start with, with Imran Raz Razvi. And you have the floor for as long as you want. And if somebody has a question, they can just cut you off rudely and interrupt you and ask their question. Perfect. That sounds great. So I go by Raz. I uh, grew up mostly here in Maryland. And I was actually born in Pakistan. And uh, I grew up as a Muslim. So those of you that uh, might have questions about Islam or, or, or what Muslims do, 
I can ask some of those. And I was a fairly good Muslim. I prayed five times a day and fasted and all those different things. I was the eldest son of the eldest son. And uh, I was pretty confident in my faith. And my faith got shaken a little bit at uh, University of Maryland. So at University of Maryland, we had a campus crusader that would uh, come. There's actually a slew of them, I would say. Every time I'd stop at the middle of the university at the mall, we'd have somebody come in to talk to me about Jesus and about the Bible. And I got to the point where I could feel that they were coming. I would even nudge my friends and say, hey, look at that guy over there with a ball cap and the, and the backpack. He's going to come talk to me about Jesus. I said, what, do you know him? Has he done it before? And I said, I said, no, but I know he's going to come talk to me. And sure enough, in a few moments, he'd step over people, go around people, and come and talk to me about Jesus. And I always had the answers. As a Muslim, we were taught that uh, Islam came to fix what Christianity and Judaism had failed to do. They had lost God's word, and, and it was mistranslated now. And so it was lost, and Islam came to fix it. And Muhammad was the last prophet. So if somebody came to me talked to me about the Bible, I said, well, the Bible is not correct. It's uh, mistranslated. And, well, Jesus died for you on the cross. Well, no, uh, Jesus was raised up, and God raised him and didn't let him die on the cross. He didn't suffer and die, and he was a prophet, and he was, he was uh, sin, sinless, and all the prophets were sinless. Little did I know what I was saying at the time, but that was the argument. And the campus crusader would, uh, this one time, he, instead of coming to preach to me, he came and asked me some questions. He wanted to know if I was a Muslim and whether I was uh, Shia or Sunni, and I was surprised because at that time, it was 30 years ago or so, um, yeah, I, most people didn't really know what the difference was between a Shia and a Sunni. And I said, I'm a Shia, which means that I was uh, following the line of the prophet, sort of like a kingship. And we followed his family lineage as the leaders of Islam. And the Sunnis uh, elected imams from his, uh, Muhammad's disciples. So uh, then he asked me some questions that I didn't have answers to. And uh, some of you might have questions that you don't have answers to either. But those questions got me thinking. And one was uh, you know, simply, um, how, why are all these people, all these children, dying in Ethiopia at the time? This is during the Ethiopian crisis, if you guys remember that. Um, if our God is a perfect God, and he is merciful, and he is fair, what do these children do? If, if sin did not happen, if they did not commit sin, they're babies, they had, don't know how to sin. Why are they dying this horrible death? And the pat answer uh, that most people will give you that don't have an answer, well, God's teaching us something through that. He turned it right back around on me and said, really? So if your God is such a fair and perfect God, why would he punish a sinless child to teach you a sinner or something? And my jaw about dropped, and I said, I really don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> you got me there. Um, and he asked some other questions as well. And one was, uh, you know, if uh, he, he knew that in, in most Muslims believe that people of the book, which means people that uh, follow uh, the Torah, the Old Testament, or the uh, Injil, the New Testament, the Bible, if they do more good than evil, then they will go to heaven. That's what Muslims believe. And so he asked me, so if you believe that, then both of us will be in heaven if we do more good than evil. I said, yes. And he said, well, what if you're wrong? I said, well, I don't think I'm wrong. I said, well, I know for a fact that I'm going to heaven. What if I'm right? You do more good than I do, yet I'm still guaranteed a spot in heaven and you're not. Well, I didn't really believe that. But he took one step further and he said, well, this is during March Madness. And he said, if I go into, into the future next weekend and see the games that are being played and I know who won and I came back, would you bet against me? I said, no, of course not. If you know who won, why would I bet against you? And he said, well, why don't you take the same bet? 
why don't you go ahead and do more good than evil, but just do it under Christ, and that way you're assured a spot in heaven, and you don't have to worry about it. Um, I didn't know that at the time, but that's uh, uh, Pascal's argument. And it uh, struck me as, okay, so this guy's kind of crazy. He wants me to still be a Muslim, but do it under Christ, and that way I'm guaranteed a spot in heaven if that's the only thing that matters. And at the end of the day, you know, that is the only thing that matters. Where are you going to end up? Do you know, do you really, really know for sure where you're going to end up? Because if you don't, there are answers, and the answers are right there. They're not hidden from you. And for me as a Muslim at that time, I did not know. In fact, in the Quran, uh, uh, Muhammad says, I, even I don't know whether I'm going to heaven or hell. And if you want to know, ask Jesus. And that's actually in the Quran. So there's a lot of truths in the Quran. And so I started studying the Quran, studying the Bible, and learning some things. And um, it took me a while. And the hardest thing was, you know, to, for me to get my head around the Trinity. You know, we always thought that, Christians worshipped three gods, that they're idol worshippers, uh, and because that's an, that's an understanding concept, understanding that was not there, and, and it took me a while to really understand that, you know, the concept of the Trinity and, and there was one God. So at any rate, uh, that's kind of my story, and I, I converted to Islam, got kicked out of my house, and uh, from Islam, <laughs> from Islam, uh, got kicked out of my house, and, and uh, the relationship got mended a little bit with my family, not to where it was before, was where I was a favored son, but enough that we still visited and, and so forth. And you know, my, we're not we're not on great terms, but that's okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on great terms with with God, and I know where I'm going. And I, and uh, got married, and had some kids, adopted some kids, and I've got 13 kids in all. Uh, five are birth children, eight are adopted children, and we don't really differentiate between them because as we are, as Christians, we're adopted into Christ's family the same way. Uh, wherever your background is, whatever you've done, whatever you, you've done in the past is all gone, and now you're a new creation, a creation in, um, in God, in Christ. So we have adoption family, and then we started an adoption ministry called Conquered by Love. And throughout this time, I was basically an insurance agent and uh, have an insurance agency. We call that Higher Ground Financial Group right here in Frederick. And that supports everything. But the Conquer by Love Ministries, what we do there is we really help parents identify um, and resolve trauma in children that have either been adopted or not have been adopted. But uh, those uh, traumas usually cause a lot of symptoms that are bad behavior, that uh, most parents would call bad behavior. And if we can identify it, label it, and medicate it, that's kind of the way to go these days. But what we do in Conquer by Love is we try to identify the root problem and resolve the emotional disorder, emotional challenge, and then the symptoms tend to go away. So my wife Tammy and I have written a bunch of books, about 45 books. Uh, they're very thin books because we know parents are already under a lot of pressure, don't have a lot of time to read, and they have a little subject matter they want to read that. ConquerByLove.org, you can go there and take a look at it. We're also on Amazon. Um, .com, uh, our books are there, and uh, they're really designed for parents to have a practical um, understanding and, and a game plan of how to uh, move in a direction that could get them closer to a child's heart and to resolve some issues. So that's Conquer by Love, and then we also have a home church, and it's more of a family gathering, and it's also sort of like Dave's church. It's the church that meets at Imran's house, um, and that's really what it is, and uh, we try to meet and fellowship and our church is set up a little differently we'll talk about it at a different time and i wanted to see if any of these guys over here had any questions wanted to get more clarification of my shortened version and i've done 
my testimony on several different occasions on this as well as other radios. We, in fact, uh, Apple of my radio played it all over the world, and we had, uh, I think, over 800 people that called in to uh, after my uh, talk and and really tried to re- reach out and, and understand who Christ was. So it was it was really a blessing to be able to do that all over. Most most of them were in, in Russia at the time. Anyways, any questions about I'm that? I'm guessing that Daniel doesn't have a lot of questions because he's your <laughs> son, but who knows? He might want to – if anybody's going to ask a gotcha question, it's going to be Daniel. <laughs> but I don't know if David – I have some questions, but I don't know if David has some questions on his mind that he wants to go first because I don't want to yeah, what keep a, you from what, asking what, your questions. Why don't questions. you go ahead, Troy? Um, so I have two. I'll ask them both so you can kind of address them both, and then, you know, David, you can jump in at that point uh, if you want. Um you talk about the disruption in your extended family with uh, your conversion to Christianity. So I'd, I'd like to hear the, the follow-up on that and how that has played out over time, if there's been additional conversions in your family or, or not, and what or, and how that all stands. And also kind of more of your, your history with the church. Uh, I'm assuming that when you first came to understand Christ as your Savior, you weren't plugged into a house church at that point. Um, so I'd be curious to know, you know what sort of denom- denominational background or you know what scale of church. Was it a smaller church or larger church? Those kinds of things. All right. So first of all, when I uh, first converted, um, it didn't go over very, very well. And I was kind of excommunicated from my family. They didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want anything to do with me. But I invited them to my uh, wedding um, because I guess it couldn't get any worse, right? So I sent them an invitation. And a couple of weeks before, my mother got in touch with me and we mended relationships a little bit. And not to get into a whole bunch of details, but, um, you know, we were able to build a, a somewhat a relationship. And I was told I could com- come to the house and still participate so long as I did not overtly try to convert anybody or talk about my faith. Um, and they wouldn't press me or, or, or do anything like that to try to convert me either, but it would just be kind of like... Um, loving strangers in the same house, uh, strangers meaning that were really of a different ilk. And so that went, and we just lived our life as Christians, my wife and I and our kids. And uh, throughout that time, my family did hear the gospel. Um, you know, when they did ask some questions here and there, we did, every one of them has heard the gospel, and maybe not of all of them have actually heard it, even though they heard it, <laughs> uh, but none have converted. And, um, you know, they've been somewhat curious here and there. We've had a chance to explain what it is, but they have not moved forward in any direction. So I'm the only one saved in my extended family. And over the time since I've gotten involved with more Christian ministry and on the radio and other places, and uh, it's actually created more of a thorn in my brother's side and as well as my uncles and aunts. And, and so that has actually caused more friction. So I don't really, um, I'm not trying to dishonor them or hurt them anyway. And I have a lot of respect for my Muslim family. They really love God and they want to please God. And they do everything they can to please God. But under the mistaken um, assumption that they can do something to get into heaven. And it all always comes to mind. Um, you know, Muslims believe that Adam was kicked out of heaven when he committed one sin. Well, if Adam committed one sin and was kicked out and couldn't get back in, how are we able to get in with all the sin that's in our at our feet? It's just not possible. 51% goodness. <laughs> yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, one of my youngest me- memories of understanding uh, the Muslim faith was my grandmother saying, well, when you die, you're going to be asked to cross a vast chasm on a rope as thin as a human hair with all your 
good deeds on your right hand and all your bad deeds on your left hand. And if your good deeds are heavier, you'll fall into the right side, which will be heaven. And if all your, uh, your bad deeds are heavier, then you'll fall into the left side. I mean, what a way to live. What, how much fear. And I've got family members that are, that are really living in fear. They're trying really hard to please God, and they're not sure how to do that. And they're grasping at straws. And I think many Christians today do that as well because they fall, fall under the fallen or the misconception that they have to please God. There's nothing we can do to actually please God. God does it for us. And we'll get into more of those discussions at a later time. Mm-hmm. But I hope that answers that question. And the, yeah. uh, there was the a, other one was about what your uh, experience with the church has been, the kinds so, of churches you yes. belong to. So when I first got saved, I got saved in a rock and roll type of church. It was a Presbyterian, you know, raising your hands and clapping. and Electric guitar and drum kit. Absolutely everything. <laughs> it was very loud. In fact, I had never in my life been to a concert, so I didn't know what a concert oh, was. Oh, wow. And uh, this Culture is, shock. So I had never been to a concert, and uh, when I got to church, I didn't know any better. That's, that's what church was. That's what I thought it was. And I invited a, a Catholic friend of mine who's been to a very conservative, uh, reserved Catholic congregation, and he came down, and he goes, wow, this is a rock and roll church. I said, really? That's what a concert sounds like. I said, I didn't know. But that's where I got uh, really saved, and uh, I was not very good a singer. In fact, I got tapped on the back on my shoulder at one time. I said, hey, either please stop clapping or stop singing, because you're throwing everybody off. So <laughs> that uh, I was not very good at singing and clapping. Wow. <laughs> um, do one or the other. Either sing or clap. Don't do we both. We need to point him to the pastor that talks about <laughs> joyful noise. It was definitely a joyful noise. It was, it was almost uh, un- unjoyful at the extent I was doing. So at any rate, um, from there we moved to another church. Uh, again, we were seeking churches that were Bible-based. So we weren't really – that's one thing that came from my background. Since I didn't know any better, I didn't wasn't looking for a certain de- denomination. I was when, just looking for somebody. When you say we, you mean you and My wife, wife and I. Okay. All right. We're just looking for a church that followed the Bible. And we'd ask questions. We'd go in and say, hey, what is your um, stance on abortion? And more often than not, pastors would hem and haw and say, well, that's a complicated question, and we can set up a meeting and maybe have a discussion. And we're like, no, it's not complicated. It's simple. And so there was uh, three or four questions we'd ask in, you know, in that line. And most times we would be very uncomfortable and say no. And, and one other question was, how do you feel about children in the church? Well, we have a nursery for them. We have a daycare. We have a youth group. No, they should be in church learning with us. And why can't they be? Well, that's not how our church does it. So there was, you know, several of those things that really were uncomfortable. We, we looked a lot. And we were just drawn to Bible churches and family integrated churches. And at one time we were at a church and, you know, it was, it was good. The Bible, the uh, preacher was um, very good, very knowledgeable, and he would teach. Uh, but it was usually only 15 minutes because the rest of the time was singing and joking and telling stories. And about 15 minutes, but it was a good sermon. But my eldest son one time just looked up, pointed to a woman in there and said, Mommy, how is her dress staying on? And at that point, we knew there's something not quite right. If people are so undressed in the church that my son, who was very young at the time, Daniel, who you'll hear from a little later, was questioning and, and being and looking at you know what is else is going on instead of the you know what God is talking to the to the pastor, we decided we needed to be uh, something else, someplace else. So we talked to the pastor and the elders about that, about different things that are happening in the church, and um, they had complaints about us. You know, why is your son? Asking so many, answering all the questions. Why is he quoting the Bible when uh, it intimidates everybody else? It's it's making everybody else uh, feel. How dare you ask questions and quote the Bible? <laughs> yes, it was. It, it felt like he was showing off and he was uh, you know, answering all the questions and didn't give anybody else a chance. 
And so that was uh, a problem. And, and why are your daughters wearing skirts, long skirts and dresses? Because, uh, you know, other people are feeling uncomfortable that you're judging them when they're wearing shorts and, uh, and so forth. And we're like, well, we're not judging anybody. We just chose to honor God. And you were getting that kind of feedback from a supposedly, because you vetted all these. So this was mm-hmm. a church that would have counted as being rather conservative on the spectrum, and yet they were giving you that kind of feedback and pushback. It, it was a Bible-believing church, and but mm-hmm. they have never, they had never done a a sermon on modesty, on honor or shame, and uh, so it, they did. Uh, the pastor preached from the Bible, and he was a good pastor. He had very knowledgeable, and uh, you know, but it was just that a lot of the people. And we find out that really it was a lot of milk. They, they weren't getting deep into the, into God's word and trying to follow what He was. So we're slowly getting more and more conservative. And one of the things that I brought to our marriage was the cultural background of the Middle East and the background of honor and shame. So when I was excommunicated from my family for a time, it was because I brought dishonor to my family, and that was something that you know really irreconceivable. They're they're, they're uh, irreconcilable, and they were. They acquiesced to reconcile with me at some point, but that that was really not what they needed to do. I, would, I dishonored the family. And in the Bible, there's honor and shame as well as guilt and innocence. But in the West, most people just focus on guilt and shame and not honor and guilt and innocent instead of honor and shame. So hmm. we were talking a lot about those. And at that point, we decided and we stuck it out at that church for really another year after some of those challenges. And then we ended up with a home church um, that... I grew probably the most because I disagreed with the pastor almost on everything. <laughs> wow. It allowed me to really get deeper into the Bible and, and, and learn and find out why. And the funny thing was we would use the same verse to come to a different conclusion. Hmm. Um, Who I'm, was right? Obviously me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But I was very thankful for that pastor because it, he challenged me to really dig deep into the Bible and find out why I believe some things and why I do certain things. And can I back it up? And if I can't back it up, then I got to be open to be able to change to what God's doing. And I thought that was very good. And uh, throughout this, you know, Daniel, my oldest son, who's here with me, uh, he was being homeschooled, and we homeschooled all of our children. And we started homeschooling really not intentionally, mostly because we just spent a lot of time with our children and started teaching them things. And when we got them to enroll them in, in school, and they said, well, they knew too much. We can't put them in their classes. They already know too much. So uh, we don't know what to do. So we ended up continuing homeschooling, and later we realized what a blessing that was that we were able to protect them from the culture of this world. So, yeah, we've only got like a very short amount of time left. Did you have a quick question to be addressed, or you want to carry it over into next week's? Maybe you could ask it, and if it takes a longer yeah, time. Yeah. Well, we I was it. I was wondering about uh, your wife's background and something you know, sort of how you met and um, you know uh, how how all that sort of played out. Well, I married up. My wife is absolutely <laughs> amazing, and uh, she was brought up in a, a Christian household, um, and she went to church, and she went to youth group. In fact, some of her stories about youth group were really bad, and that's one of the reasons we were against youth group. Um, that's where she was even introduced to seances, and oh uh, she had to um, <laughs> step away and not do that, and, uh, and the other children got very angry with her because she would not participate with their seances and things like that. So um, we are very much not a, a fan of youth group and what it does to our children. I think uh, that uh, separates our, our children instead of helping them. So she was uh, you know, a Christian, Bible-believing Christian, and 
um, she was one of the people I went to when I had questions, and she helped me understand and research. And uh, after that, we spent a lot of time studying the Bible and learn more about each other, and that's when um, decided to ask her to marry me. Very and cool. she said yes. Eventually. I had to I had to beg and plead and for six months. She and, said, listen, Raz, I know I'm marrying down, but okay, fine, I'll marry you. Is that what happened? <laughs> no. She, the, the question she had is, what about love? And my answer was, well, what does love have to do with marriage? You choose to love, just like God chose to love us wow. while we were sinners. Wow, that would be a fascinating t- show to do about <laughs> marriage and yeah. undergirds it and what is the meaning of love inside of a, a covenantal relationship like that. That would be a great... Somebody make a note of that so I don't forget that we should definitely do that. We've only got like uh, 60 seconds left on the show, so I'm going to uh, uh, bid our due. So you've been hearing the, the, the life and times of Grizzly, Grizzly Adams, because look at the, 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 the beard that he has. Uh, Imran uh, Raz Razvi. Uh, you can find his uh, website he mentioned. It's conqueredbylove.org, where all those resources he mentioned. Uh, Daniel Razvi, I guess we're going to hear your story next week. I'm looking forward to that. The week after that, we'll hear the story from David Forsey. He uh, asked a question this week, so you got to hear him a little bit. We'll hear about him and his uh, wife and his family and, and his church background um, probably in two weeks. And if we have time, we'll get to me actually sharing a story about me, because last week I went off of forever about the story of the show. Way too much time. but You knew way too much about the show by the time I was done talking. Anyway, find us online. Uh, the easiest way is just connect with uh, my church's website, and you can connect to everything from there, householdoffaithinchrist.com. That connects with everything that I'm involved with. So uh, we'll see you there. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from right about now. God bless. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. This is 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Now, WFMD News. Community leaders gathered on Friday to remember the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Frederick Police Chief Jason Lando says it was an important day for him. It was very early on in my career, so I was at times questioning if I had made the right career choice. I was the only police officer in my family. Um, I remember that morning right around 8.30, 8.36, uh, excuse me, 8.46, I, I received a, started receiving phone calls from friends and family telling me, turn on the TV, uh, you're not going to believe this. He was inspired by the actions of first responders. The New York firefighters and New York police officers were running into this building while everybody else was running away. Uh, and I just remember at that moment, for me, uh, that really affirmed, reaffirmed for me that the choice that I had made, my career choice, was the right choice. Uh, and I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that day. Frederick City Alderman Kelly Russell is running for re-election. She's been at the Post for 12 years. I love the city of Frederick. I love being in public service. Um, my motto is common sense for the common good. Uh, I'd, I'd like to tell you that I, you know, I do my homework and I prepare for the decisions that I make. I work really hard to see all the sides of an issue and happy and willing to explain my positions. Um, I'm also willing to hear feedback on an issue, and I can be compelled to change my view if the case has been made. If she's re-elected, she would like to see significant completion of the rails with trails to increase connectivity across the county. I'm not afraid to take on new challenges as I did by serving as chair of the Transportation Planning Board at COG 
um, just a fierce advocate for the needs of Frederick at the local and regional level. And I love service to the city of Frederick and being a visible local and recognizable advocate for the city. Primary Election Day is this coming Tuesday, September 14th. I'm Kevin McManus, WFMD News. News. I'm Jessica Stone. The Taliban says women will be allowed to return to universities in Afghanistan, but must follow Islamic dress code and gender segregation. Still, thousands of Afghans are trying to leave. Pakistan Airlines is expected to restart flights from Kabul on Monday. Two Qatari flights that rescued dozens of American citizens and other foreigners. This, as it does appear, progress is moving forward quite quickly to reopen Kabul's international airport. Fox's Trey Yingst. The Senate is considering repealing two war authorizations with bipartisan support, but some Republicans believe they still need authorization to fight global terrorism, especially after the Afghanistan withdrawal. Indiana Republican Todd Young says it is not the time to repeal the 2001 AUMF that launched the war on terror. Fox's Jared Halpern. America is listening to Fox News. Good morning. Here's your 930 WFMD Skyscan forecast for Frederick and the surrounding counties. For today, a sunny day, high about 89, mostly clear for tonight, low 67. Tomorrow, Monday, plenty of sunshine, high 92, mostly clear on Monday night, low 67. Tuesday, sunny, high 90, partly cloudy on Tuesday night, low 68. Wednesday, mostly sunny, high 90. On Thursday, partly sunny, high 84, chance of showers. PJ's Roofing, when it comes to your roof, they've got you covered. Visit pjsroofing.com. I'm Jim Tice. Free Talk, 930 WFMD. God uses sufferings. It does not mean every suffering you go through is God. Sometimes we suffer because of the difficulties of the time. Sometimes we suffer because we poke our nose where it doesn't belong. Sometimes we suffer because people are mean. Sometimes we suffer because there are demonic spirits who want to oppress us. But ladies and gentlemen, my son, do not shrug off. Do not despise the chastening, the discipline of the Lord. When he whips and when he supports, when you realize it is only whipping and there is no... Then you know God ain't in it. 